Thank you for joining us. I'm Paul Wilson, and you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast, guys. Today I'm in the pod I'm in the podcast uh, studio here by myself. No big deal. We are getting ready for our big Black Friday blowout sale that kicks off Monday. Uh, likely it'll be uh, around the day that you guys hear this. So Monday, November uh, 20th, we're going to be diving into Black Friday sale. You can jump on over to DuramaxTuner.com or give us a call, 815-568-7920. Uh, we'll be, get you, be able to get you squared away with all of the giant Black Friday deals going on. Uh, Axergy Performance, they're doing Black Friday sales, although you'll only be able to grab those sales, I believe, on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And WC Fab is going to have sales going on as well so we're excited to see what they have uh brewing and be able to jump in and help you guys out with anything you need from those uh for today i have a really exciting interview set up uh we have on bruce from max power mileage uh bruce how the hell are you good it's uh, it's bruce from pittsburgh power and we do the marketing for max mileage fuel there you go catalyst. okay pittsburgh so, power so what else does pittsburgh power do besides the max uh the max uh, mileage pittsburgh power. i've been doing this for 47 years we design and develop diesel engine systems for semi trucks okay mostly semi trucks back back in 89 when the dodge cummins pickup came out we got heavy into that heavy into motorhomes and i traveled for several years working on motorhomes and dodges it was just a, a, a deviation away from the semi trucks and it was a lot of fun and gave me a chance to do some more traveling and working uh, rv shows but uh, we've been heavily into turbochargers mechanical fuel pumps and injectors ceramic and teflon coating of, of pistons high lift camshafts for big cam cummins we would take the 350 and 400 big cam Cummins, and when we were finished with it, we would produce uh, seven to 800 horsepower. And without major engine problems, now you have to drive it and treat it properly. And then in 1992, during that tremendous recession, we got a call from a guy, Ken Howard at Burton-on-Trent, England, and he said, I want a 1,000 horsepower big cam Cummins for road racing in Europe. And I said, well, we're between seven and 800 horsepower. I don't know if I can get you to 1,000. And he said, well, I just got off the phone with Cummins Engineering, and they gave me your phone number. And they said, if anybody can do it, Bruce Mallinson can. And I said, well, send me a deposit of $8,000, and we'll get started. Two days later, FedEx brought me a check, and we got started. And we blew past 1,000 horsepower, ended up at about 1,200 Really? And in, yeah, and in 1993, we won the European Road Racing Championship with that truck. Oh, my ah, God. The, tr the trick was these were cab over single axles, and it was hard to harness that much power. When he first called me, he says, I got a problem. I said, what's that, Ken? He said, I can't keep the back tires from smoking the entire straightaway. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, how much horsepower did you give me? I said, well, you, you asked for 1,000, but we kind of stopped around 1,200. And so, anyway, uh, we've done a lot of different things like that. And we were very heavy into semi-truck pulling and circle track truck racing, great American truck racing. And performance has been in my blood. Uh, prior to getting into diesel engine business, I was in traffic and transportation dispatch and um, but I was also into road racing, uh, a mid-60s Corvette, and my home track was Nelson Sledge's Road Course in Warren, Ohio. And I set the track record there in 1973, and it stood till 79. But December 1st of 77, I got into the diesel engine business through a water ski club, of all things. Really? Fella, yeah, fella had a little fuel injection shop, and he wanted to move to Tampa, Florida, and wanted me to take over his business and i said chuck i can move freight all over the world but i don't know much about these diesel engines and he said if you take what you know about corvettes and turn it into diesel engines you'll do just fine and i'd see him every night at our water ski club just north of pittsburgh in the allegheny river and and I said, bring me some engine manuals. And I started reading them. And then I bought Hugh McGinnis's book on turbocharging and read that a couple of times. And 
I became fascinated and I looked at the small cam and big cam Cummins like I did the small block and big block Chevrolet. Sure. And, and we went from there. I developed over 42 items for the big cam Cummins. It's, it's more than anybody in the history of that engine. <laughs> uh, all, all planted in semi-trucks. That, that's really what this is all revolved around, huh? Yeah, it was all semi-trucks. And But in the mid-'80s, uh, Cummins started to sell Isuzu engines, and I bought a 6BD, BD or BD1, and it was normally aspirated 360 cubic engine. I put it in the Chevy Suburban, but I turboed it, and I figured out how to turn the fuel to it. And boy, did that run nice. <laughs> um, we, uh, I don't know if you've ever been on I-70 going into the Eisenhower Tunnel, but back in the 80s, most cars would climb up there between 14 and about 24 mile per hour. And in that Suburban, pulling a utility trailer with six people's ski equipment in it and six people in a suburban we hit that tunnel at 84 miles an hour oh my god and i was, I was pretty happy with that <laughs> so, so anyway my my entire life prior prior to turning 16 i was heavy into golf we would do 36 holes a day and then when i turned 16 i did, i made a big discovery it was called the internal combustion engine <laughs> All right. Well, my my father kind of hurt me. He, we had a '59 Impala convertible, 283 two barrel Power Glide. Beautiful car. And that's it was. It was a nice car. That's what I was learning to drive on. In Western Pennsylvania, we're all hills and valleys, and but that's what you're used to. And while I had my learner's permit, he bought a brand new Impala SS 396 four and a floor, three and a quarter horse. Ooh. And when you go from 195 horsepower and a 283 with a power glide to a four and a floor, <laughs> 396, <laughs> and you're 16 and you have your learner's permit and you roll into that throttle and you pull second gear and third gear and this car just flew up the hills. Well, I became addicted to torque. So, you know, horsepower accelerates, and that's great. Sure. But torque, torque pulls. And, uh, and you guys know this. When you take, and this was back when the diesel pickups first started to get popular when the horsepower and torque was low, and we would tune them. We would take the 160 and the 180 um, B-series Cummins in the Dodge and take it up to 325 horsepower and add a couple hundred foot-pound of torque. Um, men fell in love with their pickups. Oh, yeah. We did the, we did the Dodge Cummins rallies. and uh, Ladies would come to me a, a year later and said, ever since you tuned up that damn pickup truck for my husband, that's all he wants to drive. We go on vacation, we got to take the pickup. <laughs> we leave the Cadillac or the Lincoln at home, we always take the pickup. And it, I realized that these men got addicted to the torque. Now, there's three chemicals in the brain that comes from torque. And it's like if you're pulling a trailer. And one is adrenaline. The other one is dopamine, which is what drug addicts get high on. And the third one is endomorphines. The three together are more powerful than cocaine. <laughs> so whether you're in your Doramax or your fire stroke or your Dodge Cummins or your semi truck and you're pulling that trailer and it's dancing up the mountains, just think of the addiction that's taking place. <laughs> so we're all junkies. That's it. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's really true. I think we see that, that behavior continuously, uh, coming from the diesel pickup truck performance world. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about what we do is it's completely useless. There's no practical purpose for a thousand horsepower four door pickup truck on the road. There's you'll never need that much horsepower to do the job. You likely don't have the brakes to stop whatever you would need to be pulling if you needed that much power. Um, 
And that's the thing that I love the most about it is that it's not for a practical purpose. It's it's literally just because of the addiction. It's just because you are a torque junkie. And I like that. I like phrasing that about the torque, right? Like we all know horsepower. We all love horsepower numbers, right? You know, that that's that's a part of the equation. Um, but the feeling that a diesel provides compared to a gas setup, it is all about that torque. Well, you know, I uh... 2014, I had a ski nautique and I had my Harley Davidson and a trailer for the Harley. And I said, I'm just going to buy a half ton with the Hemi. And I used to be, by the way, I was diehard Chevrolet until Dodge and Cummins got together. If it didn't have the bow tie on it, it wasn't in my driveway. <laughs> you know, I was Mr. Corvette of Western Pennsylvania back in the late 60s, early 70s. But, um, and even had a Corvette business. My, I had my day job, and I'd come home and, and have dinner with my parents and go down in, in the garage, and that was my night job. So I bought this half-ton Ram, beautiful truck, Longhorn Laramie, and it ran okay. And then I put the Harley trailer behind with the Harley in it. And, you know, you're pushing on the throttle, and it's downshifting. And it downshifts again. It's a six-speed automatic. And you look at the tack, you're at 3,500 RPM to go up a hill. I said, well, heck, if I was in the diesel pickup, I'd be sitting there at 1,700. <laughs> and so basically the difference between the gas and the diesel is 1,000 to 1,500 RPM. But even with that RPM, you don't get that feel, that pull that you get from the diesel. Yeah. You don't have the pool. Yeah, I so. had somebody uh, recently tell me, you know, my, my I like my gas truck better than my diesel truck for commuting. And that's about it. Um, yeah. And I can the appreciate that. Hollow. Yeah, sure. Or if you're going to go to Home Depot and get a 4 by 8 sheet of plywood, it's okay. Yeah. Well, not even. Now you got to let the tailgate down because it's <laughs> to get the 8-foot bed is a special order. That blew my mind. So. Yeah. But, you know, when you say 1,000... Horse thousand horsepower. What kind of torque are you producing? I suppose that depends on the setup. It's definitely not unheard of seeing a thousand horsepower pickup truck make around eighteen hundred foot pounds of torque. I'd say that. I'd say that puts you real close into the ballpark of normal. So here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. I have a Bone Stock 2016 Dodge with the Cummins. I'm, you know, I'm a Cummins dealer, right? If I wasn't a Cummins dealer, I'd be driving a Chevy with a Doramax because I'm a Chevy guy also. <laughs> and, but all this truck does is pull my snowmobile trailer in Colorado, Wyoming, and Utah in that area. Yeah. And stock is 950 on the torque. I don't know what the horsepower is. It's got that six-speed automatic. Mm hmm and I went through the drive tires, 3,500 single wheel. I went through the drive tires in 12,000 miles. I don't start out hard, but the truck just loves to take that trailer and rip up the hills at 80, 84 miles an hour <laughs> in Colorado. And I'm thinking, my God, what happens if I tune this thing? So I'm talking to a good friend of mine, Mike Lane. He runs one of our performance uh, Detroit diesels and a Western star. Mm -hmm. And he's an ex-mud bog racer, so a very sharp guy. Also a, one of my snowmobiling friends. And he said, you're slipping the tires going up the hills at 84 miles an hour. Now, I'm not wide open. I'm playing with the throttle. And I said, I'm not spinning the tires. He said, I didn't say you were spinning. I said you were slipping. And he said, you're making the tire work too hard to grab the asphalt or the concrete. Well, I never thought of that. You know, and here I've been in the performance stuff since I was 16 years old. <laughs> I mean, my front tire still had 14, 30 seconds. Yeah. So five hundred dollars, I go buy two new tires, and now I take it out six gear, put in fifth gear, and go up the hills at about a third throttle just to save the drive tires. Yeah. So when you do this thousand horsepower, and if these people were pulling trailers, 
And if it's a single wheel, how do you keep tires on the back? Oh, man, I'm going to get lit up for this on the on the pages here. But uh, here goes my unfiltered opinion, Bruce. Uh, one, most of the thousand, and, and I think this is pretty true, most of the thousand horsepower pickup trucks aren't towing a trailer. Those that are are generally towed by somebody who doesn't really care about the cost of the tires. Just to, to be real. Um, you could take a 5.9, so like an 03 to 07 Cummins, and get it up to 1,000 horsepower in a daily driver application. So not like there's plenty of guys who do it on a big single turbo. I get it. I don't really consider big single turbos on these 5.9s to be like a great daily driver. Just there's so much lag. It's so impractical yeah, sure. if you want to tow anything with it. So most of the guys are doing it with compounds. Uh, so a hefty set of compounds, a big set of fuel, studs, you, you know, they're probably fire ringing it. You know, some of the basics. And then I don't know. I always joke about the Cummins stuff because like what, a $10,000 transmission is probably entry level. Um, so, so there's a bunch of cost involved to get there. Right. So the guy who's in that budget and is doing that, like him to care about the $500 set of tires, he probably has a $2,500 set of rims on it. Oh, what? So that's. So, like a $500 set of tires, you're like, who gives a shit? You know, that's maintenance. Let's not talk a thousand horsepower. Uh, What is the new Dora Max now? In the last uh, couple of years, so what's the horsepower and torque? Yeah, so we're we're dynoing them here at four hundred five. So and so what's the, and the torque is in like nine hundred to a thousand, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So a minor tune, a minor tune. Your entry level tune takes it to what? Uh, adds one hundred and fifty horsepower, two hundred and fifty to three hundred foot pounds of torque. Okay, so in in the semi truck world. It's a three-to-one ratio, three foot-pound of torque to every horsepower we add. Okay. So you're telling me the diesel pickup's doing the same? Yeah, it's, it's pretty close, yeah. Okay, all right. So those people are towing trailers, right? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Your basic tune? Yeah, so, so that's... It, uh, 150 now, horsepower and, and I'm, I'm, 250. I'm rating, I'm, I am giving you numbers for our sport tune, but I think I see your point here. So, like, even on, like, a tow tune where we add 50 horsepower and 100 foot-pounds of torque, right? It's probably more than yeah. that two-to-one, right? But but when we add that, um, how much slippage? I'll be honest with you. I've never had other guys talk to me about burning up tires from towing uphill. Uh, you towing uphill in Colorado and Wyoming at 80 miles an hour puts you on the level of driver of like uh, dangerous to nuts. That that's like <laughs> like, like you you're pushing it. You know what I mean? You're not Wait, putting I'm the truck next, through a normal scenario, and you're like, I'm how next... come isn't everybody else having this problem? Well, because nobody else is towing at 85 miles an hour up a fucking mountain. That's you know what I mean? Like, like well, the the rest here. of us are are a little more cautious, or our wives are a little bit louder. I don't know which. Um, that's just not well, an option, right? Well, Dodge made a mistake on the Longhorn Laramie. Oh, what's that? The Longhorn Laramie is the highest interior package that in the limited they put 340 340 343 gears in it then you got the 20-inch tires you got the double overdrive transmission and the truck at 84 miles an hour is at some ungodly low rpm and it's developing all this torque so I called them because I knew a lot of people at Corporate Chrysler when Dodge and Cummins got together. Oh, oh I, I bet the calibration engineers love this call. Go ahead. Yeah. Troy Simonson, who he's unfortunately he's not here anymore, but he was the one that developed the V10 gas engine. And he was the Ram Chargers when they did the drag racing with the old Ram Chargers. Yeah. It was all his. And it was Troy Simonson that got the Cummins engine in the Dodge pickup because of Ford and Chevrolet, he would sit along the interstates in Detroit and take pictures of Fords and Chevys towing farm tractors and bales of hay, but no Dodges. So that's how that all started. So, And so I called and I said, why don't I have 370 gears in this truck? Why 343s? But the other models are 370s. I said, this truck is too fast. I bought this truck to tow, and it just it's too 
fast. And you have to really watch yourself because where my place is in Colorado from there to Kremling, it's nine miles on a beautiful brand new highway, but it's slightly downhill. So if you aren't paying attention, it just walks away. Pulling the trailer with four sleds in it, an enclosed 27-foot V-nose trailer. Um, so my, my girlfriend, who's not a speedster, not a gearhead, we're coming out of Utah into Wyoming with a 35-mile-an-hour tailwind. I'm in the passenger seat. She's driving. I look over. I said, Debbie, why are you at 88 miles an hour? <laughs> we don't need to be going 88 towing this trailer. She said, I'm not going 88. Well, they made another mistake. The speedometer is silver letters outlined in white. Very hard to see. Now, they have a digital readout, but I don't put the digital readout on there because I can, where the digital readout is, I can put turbo boost, and I love to look at turbo boost and drive-by turbo boost. Well, that doesn't mean anything to her. And I said, look at that speedometer. And now, when you have a strong tailwind, even if you're going 85, now it sounds like it's 50 inside the truck, right? Plus, look how quiet these new trucks are. Yeah. The, new, the, the trucks of today are what we had in the Fleetwood Brougham Cadillacs back in the 70s and 60s. <laughs> That's a good comparison. It is. They've put a lot oh, around noise, vibration, and harshness. The oh. NVH is a big talk these days. That's right. I mean, pickup trucks are luxurious. Yeah. And you get used to sitting higher. You know, semi-truck drivers, um, owner-operators that I deal with that have their own semi, if they're going on vacation, they don't take the family car. They'll take their pickup truck <laughs> because they're used to sitting higher. Yep. Plus the torque. If they specify, most of them have diesel pickups. Yeah, you got to. So you think about the torque out of the new diesel pickups. There's more torque in that than there was in a semi-truck engine when I got into the engine business. Oh, yeah. It's December, it's December 77. The horsepower and torque wars between the big three has been one of the greatest things uh, for the American man. Uh, I wholeheartedly believe in that. It's been nuts to see it. I mean, I got into this industry around a decade ago, a little bit more than 10 years ago. And um, when I got in, they were at 325 horsepower, 700 foot-pounds, 600 foot-pounds of torque, something like that. Um you know, and now that's just that's a joke. I mean, now, like I said, we tune we tune L5Ps, the newest Duramaxes that we can tune is like a twenty three. Put those up at five hundred and fifty horsepower all day long. Uh, they'll make you know whatever nine hundred thousand foot pounds of torque, depending on what dyno you're on and all that jazz. Um, but but one of the things that like. I see a lot of his discussions around additives, and, and that's why we brought you on today, Bruce. Uh, we've had on the guys from Exergy. We've had on the guys from Hotshot Secrets. Um, their blends and their marketing is, is around diesel pickup trucks, but we have a lot of semi-listeners, and I wanted to bring on somebody who had kind of an outside perspective just because both of those companies are very well tied into the diesel performance enthusiast market. I was hoping you could give us kind of a new light on what are what are the chemicals that go into additives? How did you take this story of being into torque and being a torque junkie to developing or marketing or selling uh, the max mileage for the semis, the, the additive for the semis that you guys are, are well known for? Are we on a time limit? No. Okay. So Forrest Lucas and I are very good friends lucas oil yeah and i love lucas oil products and forrest and i have done some seminars together uh, for rv shows and and he once said to me if i can't make the very best of a product i won't make it at all because i don't have to and i never forgot that you know as we go through life and you hear you listen to successful people and you listen to these little one-liners they give you they mean a lot and 
So I use a lot of Lucas products and especially his uh, injector cleaner because of the lubricity that it adds because when they took out the aromatics and the sulfur and the paraffin twice back in the late 90s, they really destroyed diesel fuel. And it's almost to me amazing after being in the business 47 years that the stuff even burns in a combustion chamber. It's so weak today. <laughs> so 2018 Louisville Truck Show, world's largest truck show. We have one of the most crowded booths in the show. And I'm looking at two booths down is Dr. Jane Gates. I don't know Dr. Jane Gates. Um, uh, older lady, gray hair, like me, and she has nobody to talk to. And I was, it was Friday late in the day, and I was on my way to the men's room. I said, I'll give this lady five minutes. I kind of feel bad for her. Because, you know, when you go to a show like that, there are all the added people were there, you know. And it took about a minute and a half, and I realized this lady's brilliant. And she said, she said, I'm fascinated with how you run your booth and how busy you are. And I'm also fascinated by your engineering department and your dyno center and your emissions testing equipment. And my partner and I want to come and test our product. And I said, when do you want to do this? She said, week after next. I said, oh, this lady's serious. I said, well, you're looking at $8,000 a day, and you're looking at about two days. That's $16,000. She said, that's no problem. I said, wow, that really stops everybody. She said, by the way, you're $92,000 a day cheaper than Southwest Research in San Antonio. <laughs> I said, well, I know that, but I deal with owner-operators small companies. You know, we can't charge $100,000 a day. <clears throat> Boy, I wish we could. But anyway, um, so they showed up. And we had a 2016 ISX and a W900 Kenworth on the dyno. And I have three electrical engineers, and they were ready. And Britt Beal from Vista, California, and Dr. Jane Gates, she's from Hillsboro, North Carolina. They're there with their product. And I didn't pay any attention to it because it didn't say Lucas on it. And I'm up in the front. The dyno center's in the rear of the building. We have a 14,000-square-foot building in the front, and then a 10,000-square-foot is our engineering center and things like that. So, But twice a day I walked back there, and uh, I saw smiles on faces, and every, everything's going just great. At the end of the second day, my lead electrical engineer came to me and put his hands on my desk and leaned over and said, you better take a look at this. He said, we have a reduction in soot and carbon of 70%. We gained 14% fuel economy. We had a decrease in NOx. It was 14 or 23%. I forget exactly. And I said, wow. And then Dr. Jane and Britt came in and were talking. And it's $225 a gallon. I said, you got to be kidding me. There's nobody going to buy this stuff for $225 a gallon. And But one gallon treats 3,200 gallons. Oh, okay. So, Larry, like a gallon of Lucas, one gallon treats 400 gallons. But... Totally different. Uh, the max mileage is a fuel-borne catalyst. It is not a fuel additive. It mixes with the fuel, and it changes a lot of stuff inside. Some of the things, when Dr. Jane's talking, I mean, this lady's a doctor, doctor in chemistry. Uh, when you hear her talking to other uh, people with degrees in chemistry, you don't even understand what they're talking about, right? <laughs> so... <clears throat> And and so she, I told you, you got to keep it in layman's terms for people like me, and and my industry. And but I still said it. No, I can't sell this stuff. But they left me twelve gallon, and 
one of the owner operators, Bruce Luke, 2013 T660 with an ISX Cummins, hauls cars to Alaska from somewhere down in the Carolinas. He was spending eight to twelve thousand a year maintenance on emissions, and he went to zero. Who? Sharp guy, well-spoken, clean cut, clean truck. The type of guy you're going to listen to, right? Yeah. And he got my attention a little bit. So I set up six owner-operators, and they got to run the Max Mileage Catalyst for one year. We tested for a year with these six owner-operators. And every now and then I'd get a, a great report. No check engine lights. My regens are drastically decreasing. Some of them were buying brand new trucks and running it, and their passive regens was two minutes, once or twice a week maybe. And I'm listening. So I said to Jane, don't get a booth for 2019 in Louisville. Just come and be in our booth. Well, I don't know how this was planned, but all six owner-operators showed up on Friday or Saturday. And they kind of circled me. They said, why aren't you talking about this on the radio show? I do the radio show with Kevin Rutherford called The Power Hour. And now we do one on XM on Channel 146 from 10 to 11 on Monday on the Dave Nemo Show. So we're on Monday and Tuesday on the radio. And I said, and they're telling me how great this product is. They're telling me how great this product is that I'm giving them. <laughs> so we talked about it on Tuesday on the radio show. People started calling. And we started selling the Max Mileage Fuelborne Catalyst. And then Britt couldn't keep up with the bottling, so... We bought the machines, and we did the bottling in our place. Really? Bottling, labeling, and everything, yeah. And the uh, rest is history. We do not have emission problems anymore on the newer trucks from 2003 up. And in 2003, when EGR came to the semi-truck business, it was horrible. Trucks that should run a million miles are going down with 240 to 160,000 miles. Yeah. Cylinder walls scored. Soot's very abrasive. Carbon's very abrasive. If you looked at it under a thousand power microscope, it looked like lumps of coal. And the problem's gone. And, you know, everyone was doing the, the D word. We like to say it's repaired, but people are going deletes. And, that was the only way you could keep a semi-truck on the highway. Yeah, pickup trucks, too. Same story. Yeah, yeah. And and then here comes Uncle Sam, and that changed everything. And so our engineers started working hard because we weren't doing any more repairs like that. And uh, about 80% of our shop work, we can put 14 trucks in the building 80 percent of the work was emissions now basically all my clients run it it may be one percent really one percent so nick from clearwater peterbilt called me in clearwater minnesota i was going to say clearwater florida right but there's clearwater <laughs> minnesota and he said, I want to be a catalyst dealer. I said, Nick, you're going to lose 80% of your work. He said, I would rather be able to sell somebody a new Peterbilt, put them on the Max Miley's Catalyst diet, sell them the Catalyst, and have them have zero emission problems and come in to our shop for other stuff and have a smile on their face instead of bitching at me. Yeah. So, you know, I felt sorry for service managers because... We would hear it all day, but we didn't sell them their truck, right? We didn't make the truck. We didn't sell them the truck. And if they would start bitching me, I said, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Did I tell you to buy that truck? 
No, I tell you to buy 2002 and older trucks and redo them. I don't care if you have to do a body off the frame restoration, stay 2002 and older. <clears throat> but now we're all for going out and buying new trucks because of the max mileage fuel borne catalyst invented by Dr. Jane Gates. She has 35 years experience in working with chemicals and diesel fuel. And she was raised on a farm with 60,000 chickens. <laughs> Four o'clock in the morning, her and her three other sisters were up plucking eggs before they went to elementary school and grades or uh, high school. So I love farm people because farm people have this strong work ethic plus they understand equipment and they don't break their trucks because they don't break the farm tractor or the combine. Yeah. But so we didn't invent it, but we brought it to market. That's such a cool story. So, so on the end of, of developing it, it was developed. I'm sorry. What year did, did you come in contact with Dr. Jane? It was in the teens. Is that right? 18, 2018. 2018. Uh, has it changed at all? Has there been any, reworks or updates to the formula you know maybe minor changes but when your product works so good you don't want to go in and drastically change it yeah you remember whenever uh, was it pepsi cola or coca-cola they changed their label or did yeah something? new coke yeah big disaster yeah, new, yeah. and so you have to be careful when you have something that works really good. And so you, you might tweak, but you only make one change at a time in case you got to go back. Sure. Now, now you guys market this for semi-trucks. I take it that's because you have such an intimate relationship with the semi-truck market. Is there is there a reason that it wouldn't work in somebody's regular diesel pickup truck? A, a six point oh six God. liter Duramax, a, you know, a, a six seven oh, works phenomenal in pickup trucks. And another story: I have two CVO Ultra Classic Harleys, a two thousand nine that I kept in Colorado, and a two thousand eleven that I had in Pittsburgh. When I say Pittsburgh, we're from north of Pittsburgh. We're country people. We're raised around farms and coal mines. But, so I was raised in a township where we had no traffic lights and two-lane roads and 35-mile-an-hour speed limits. So I, I was raised in the country. But I have this 2011 CBO Ultra Classic that just never ran right. And... The motorcycle is about 38000 to buy, and then you keep putting money into it to make it run right. Three Harley dealers, two independent tuners, three different ECMs, three different sets of pipes, and it just wasn't right. It didn't start good. It would stall if it wasn't totally warmed up, and I live on a corner, so, you know, out of my driveway is downhill, and then I go to the stop sign, which is about 50 feet. And with my girlfriend on the back, sometimes it stalls. And when you weigh 185 pounds and you go to put your leg down and you got to hold up 1,200, yeah, it's pretty tough. It's scary. And so Dwayne Erke, ex-dairy farmer from Wisconsin, owner-operator, great mechanic, Harley-Davidson rider, snowmobile rider, called me. He said, when you get home tonight, put your catalyst in your Harley. Take it for a ride. I said, are you kidding me? Are you crazy? <laughs> this is made for diesel. He said, I put it in my neighbor's Model A. He came back the next day said, oh, my God, this thing's never run this good. He said, I put it in my Harley. I was shocked what I heard and felt after 16 miles. It didn't take 16 miles. It took about eight or 10. This Harley would wrap at 2,800 RPM. It eliminated about 80% of that wrapping. And the rest of the wrapping I got rid of by going to non-ethanol gasoline. Now there's no noise at all. Um, I went from 35 miles to the gallon to 42. Yeah, it's made to burn certain carbon, not made for fuel mileage. Yeah. Uh, I, we 
we shouldn't have named it max mileage because that's not a true term. One well, I was just going to press you on this. So it's named max mileage, but it's not to help your mileage. That's a byproduct. It's not, it's not to help But it's the also mileage. the name. Yeah. Fuel mileage is a byproduct because it burns a certain carbon off in the combustion chamber, the exhaust valves, down the sides of the pistons, the turbos, the variable geometry veins in the turbo, the EGR cooler, the DOC, and the DPF, and even the exhaust pipes. So when you take a diesel engine and you make it clean inside, and it slightly increases the torque, so now you're clean and your torque is increased, and if you drive appropriately, what do you think happens? Yeah, you get better mileage. That's You, you just described the entire basis around custom engine tuning. But yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Right. I get right. it. The better an engine runs yeah. the, and, the, and properly driven and maintained, it will live longer, it will get better fuel mileage, and it's a whole lot more fun to drive. Now... Now, now, just just to hit you on this, so I've had guys with with and yours is a catalyst, but I've had guys with additives talk about cetane. Well, we crank this thing full of cetane. Um, what we are not cetane. Okay, okay, we, that's what I was just going to no say. Cetane. Is like, is this is this just a high cetane level mix? No. Um, There's no cetane in it. Very little lubricity and cleaner because. Think about this. Let's take a cubic foot of air. We have, what, 20% oxygen in there at sea level? Okay. Up on top of El Pass and the Eisenhower Tunnel in Colorado, we're down at 10%. Yeah. We lose 50% of our oxygen at 10,000 feet. So now we have a gallon container. And so we start putting in cetane, we start putting in lubricity, we start putting in all these cleaners. What happens to the amount of the main ingredient that we had to burn certain carbon? It decreases. So now instead of one ounce to 25 gallon, it could be one ounce to five gallon or 10 gallons. So we made a winter blend last year and we made it this year. It's 50% is anti-gel and 50% is the maximalix catalyst. So you have to use two ounces to 25 gallon. Okay. But we have a lot of guys that are be in the south and then they come north, deliver a load and go back south. So I knew a guy for about 45 years, another chemist, and I used his product years ago, a de-icer, and I had him private label it for me. I will not take credit for somebody else's product, right? If I invented it, I'll take credit for it. But, and so now we have cold snap and it's working very well and selling well for us. It is straight anti-gel because a lot of times, even in Colorado, I mean, our days, our average day is 35 degrees. Yeah. We don't need anti-gel. Now, if it's going to go down below zero and stay there, but it usually doesn't. Now, Wyoming, North and South Dakota, Minnesota, those states kind of need the anti-gel more than all the other states. So that's why we came up with just the anti-gel. So you can run the standard max mileage fuel-borne catalyst at one ounce to 25 gallons. And think of that, one ounce to 25 gallons. Yeah, for most pickup trucks, that's a fill-up. That's nothing. Yeah, that's right. So it's actually one cc per gallon. So we also sell syringes. One cc and one milliliter are the same. So the fact that it works in gasoline, I knew a guy in Washington, D.C. sold automobile dealerships. He's got one of those M-series BMWs, an older one, 504 horsepower. He also was raised on a farm in Virginia, so he ended up with a pint of it. And his dad fell in love with it in the farm equipment because that's equipment's old. And old gasoline and old diesel, oh, my gosh, do they work well with the catalyst. And mid-60s muscle cars, they weren't made for gasoline. Back when I was young and we were putting gasoline in the lawnmower, 
I mean, the fumes would just pour out of that gas tank, you know, and they're going up in your face and in your nose. <laughs> Today, you're pouring gasoline in the gas tank and a lawnmower. You hardly smell it. <laughs> but it was those fumes and vapors that burned. So chainsaws. Oh, my God, chainsaws. You put this catalyst in a chainsaw. Now, we're talking you mix your two-stroke oil in two gallons. So you're putting in two cc's. I got a guy that helps me. He's from Guatemala. Pretty sharp guy. Pretty husky guy. And I'm putting in, mixing it in my new steel chainsaw. And he looks, he laughs. He said, do you think that's going to make a difference? I said, we're going to find out. <laughs> so <laughs> he starts sitting at idles for 30, 40 seconds. Then he pulls the trigger. And this is a little chainsaw because I only got two acres, right? Yeah. And a blade, the front of that blade shoots up in the air, and he looks at me, and he's, I can't believe that. <laughs> so I also sold him a 2007 Volvo R car, 300 horse, five-cylinder turbo, and, and we put the catalyst there, and he says, oh, I can really feel a difference in there. <laughs> older engines really like it because the computer systems on the older cars weren't as high-tech as what they are today. Right. So it works great in gasoline, and I talked to Dr. Jane about that. She said, well, yeah, being you were so much in the diesel business, I didn't want to tell you that it did work good in gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, Jane, you were holding out on me. So I love put it. it in everything. And, and you know those two, $2,000 John Deere's you can buy at Lowe's at Home Depot? Sure. Little garden Made tractors. Made in China. Bridge and Stratton engine. Yeah. You got to choke them all the time, every time, just to start them. Yeah, listen, I would never say anything bad about John Deere because God knows their lawyers would probably send me a cease and desist letter. Oh, no, I love John Deere. I, why, that's why I bought a John Deere. I had to have a John Deere. My neighbor said, buy a zero turn. I said, it doesn't look like a John Deere. I had to buy a John Deere. <laughs> you know? There's a, there are several things men need in their life. One's a diesel pickup truck, right? I like it, yeah. But but they need a luxury car for their wife. And they got to have their Harley. And they got to have, a lot need to have a Jeep. Sure. And and I don't have a Jeep. I look at every Jeep I see, especially the especially the new Rubicons, that bright metallic green and the bright orange. They're fancy. Oh, they are. They're beautiful. <clears throat> And the Jeep was invented in Butler, Pennsylvania, nine miles from us. And if you want a thrill, come to the Jeep conference. They have thousands of Jeeps show up. It takes over the whole town. And it's, it's a weekend-long event. <clears throat> but the other, the last thing a man needs is a John Deere. Everybody needs a John Deere. <laughs> but you have to choke it to start when it's cold sure and if you're out cutting your grass and you come in and have dinner 45 minutes later you go back out you have to choke it to start it again so i said i'm going to try the catalyst in this john deere now mind you this is a little briggs and stratton this isn't a real john deere tractor yeah right? but it says john deere on it and, and it's green and it looks nice i even use lucas slick mist on it I love Lucas Slipness. <laughs> so, so anyway, I come home from work. I jump on the John Deere. And I'm cranking and cranking. I crank for about five, six seconds. And it started. And it's putt, 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 putt. Hardly wanted to run. And I thought, oh, my God, what did I do? This thing doesn't like my max mileage catalyst. Sure. And I looked down, I didn't choke it. A bone cold engine started without being choked because it had the catalyst in it. Why is that? Because on a diesel engine, 300, think 360 degrees, right? A circle. From the time diesel fuel is injected, it takes approximately 15 degrees of crankshaft rotation before the diesel fuel fires. With the max mileage catalyst in there, it fires in 10 degrees. So it's a 33% faster ignition. It's a hotter ignition, but 
the catalyst lowers the burn rate of soot and carbon by 250 degrees. It takes normally a thousand degrees. So if your pickup truck just idles or your diesel engine idles and you just are city driving, you're not getting to a thousand degrees. And so you're not burning soot and carbon. It's collecting in your engine, in your EGR valve, your variable geometry turbo, your DPF, your exhaust pipes. So the fact that we lower it to 750, well, just going down the highway on the level, pulling no trailer, the ideal temperature for a diesel engine exhaust temperature is 800 degrees. So we're 50 degrees above what it takes now to burn the soot and carbon. So the fact that we ignite quicker is why that lawnmower started without using the choke. So I'm out cutting the grass and then I come into dinner and I go back out and I say, I'm not touching that choke. I hit that key, that thing starts right up. Where before I had to choke it even though it was warm. So now when I first started, when it's bone cold, I use the choke. After that, I don't use the choke. That's it just awesome. starts right up. And the engine's quieter because the ignition is quicker. Now I can hear the bearings turning on the blades. I never heard those before. <laughs> on the B Series Cummins, the 12 valve, they get quieter. Uh, you'll end up turning your radio volume down if you have a, a 98 and older 12 valve. <laughs> the ISX Cummins and the X15s get quieter. So, I love I it. I, I, mean, I, could, I always I think I that... I could tell you what happens in the Doramax, but I just can't. But uh, You haven't I tested it with of... a bow tie? I thought you were a Chevy guy at heart, man. Oh, I love Chevrolet products. You know, I almost bought a new Impala. That, to me, is one of the most beautiful cars. And I think Chevrolet quit making cars, didn't they? Yeah, I don't know. I hear something new about what Chevy's going to do next year every three months. I'm tired of caring. But the the... I wanted a V8, and they'd only put the V6 in unless you bought the Super Sport, and that had the V8, and but it has a stiffer suspension. At my age, I don't want stiff suspension. I want it to be cushy. Oh, okay. You look, you're you're looking for a 1970s Cadillac in a 2023 body. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. No, you know, a client of mine out in uh, Redding, California, had a '68. Chevrolet Caprice with a 396, and that's what I used to tow my race car with a 68 Caprice 396, dual exhaust, 370 rears, turbo 400, uh, spread bore Holly, winter shift kit in the automatic, and the um, distributor recurb. You know, we have we have two settings for distributors and gasoline, and these are old old distributors, not HEIs. And one was a raped ape, and the other one was a scalded dog. <laughs> I think it, you could have a raped ape or a scalded dog. <clears throat> so if you have a scalded dog, he's really fast, right? Sure. He's fast. Okay. But a raped ape is very powerful. So when you were building, back then we didn't have diesel pickups in the early 70s until our race cars. We used big block Chevys. <clears throat> If you had a Silverado Chevy Suburban with a big block 454, man, you were the king. <laughs> I couldn't afford that. I had to buy a used Caprice for $1,800. <laughs> $1,800 dollars in 1971 was a lot of money. Yeah, that, sure. That's almost financeable. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, I used to build... Corvettes, my labor rate was $4 an hour. On what continent? North of Pittsburgh. No, you can't You can't Late get paid that in America. Get the, no, come four, on. Yeah, yeah $4 uh, an hour. I suppose, hey, you know what, though? Coke was a dime, so, like, eh, I kind of feel bad for you. We used to go around the little corner store. We would get a 16-ounce bottle of RC Cola for $0.10. Cents. $0.10. Cents. 
When I was 16 in 1965, my three buddies and I, there'd be four of us in my first car, 56 Plymouth, three on the tree, but we only had second and third gear because the linkage was so bad it would take first gear out. So we started out in second and had third. It was, it was a two-speed, three-speed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then it even got worse. The starter failed, so I lived on a hill, so I parked at the top of the yard right off the street and then i'd catch it in gear and when we would be at uh, mcdonald's or any place like that my buddies would get out and push me across the parking lot i'd catch it in gear in second if i'd you... catch in second gear in a way they'd jump in the car away we go and here we are trying to pick up chicks <laughs> with a car with no starter and no first gear better have a hell of a smile <laughs> but we, we all left the house with 50 cents. We'd, we would go out for the whole evening, Friday night, Saturday night, 50 cents. And 25 cents went in the gas tank because uh, this local Sinclair station was 24.9 a gallon. So a quarter a gallon. So we bought four gallons. And for the other quarter, we either got a French fry and a Coke or a burger and a Coke. For 25 cents. I worked in a mobile station. I think I was making $1.75 an hour. And the owner saw me oiling the wheels on the floor jacks. And he came over and said, Bruce, why are you oiling those wheels? I said, they're hanging up and they're not turning free. And you got to pull harder on it. He gave me a three cents an hour raise because nobody told me to do that. I did it on my own. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. you want to talk old school? I can talk old school. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Bruce, anyway. I, I appreciate you sharing so much time with our listeners today. This has been really, really insightful. I'm excited to, to maybe, maybe we'll have to try out max mileage on one of our trucks here and, uh, and report back to, to our listeners. If, if anybody listening to the show uh, wants to find out more information, where should they go to learn more or maybe even purchase uh, some of your guys' products? Well, we have 145 dealers in North America. Um, and you can go on pittsburghpower.com. And remember, Pittsburgh ends in an H, P-I-T-T-S-B-U-R-G-H power p-o-w-e-r.com and i quite don't know how to find it but it's in there it shows all of our dealers whether they're remote tune dealers because we do remote tunes on semi trucks no pickups so it's just semis and um our max mileage fuel borne catalyst dealers are in there or just call our, our shop 724 360 4080. You know, 360, you can remember because that's a 5.9 liter 360. <laughs> and 4080. So just think you don't want to be with a woman that's measurements are 4080, right? <laughs> <laughs> so 724 And PittsburghPower.com. Guys, check it out. Uh, get your max mileage today. Uh, we'd love to hear some feedback from you. If you've tried it out and you want to tell us more about your experience, jump on to Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group. Uh, leave some information there. We've made the group private, so if you want to get involved, uh, just go ahead and hit that join request, and we'll get you approved within a day. Uh, Bruce, thank you again so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Well, let me say this. When you first put it in, some people, so I ran it for a couple weeks. I didn't notice anything. I'll say, did you pull off the tube, your EGR tube, and look inside before and after? No. I said, did you look in your EGR valve? No. I said, did you look in your exhaust pipe? No. I said, how do you know it's not cleaning? So they're expecting all of a sudden a, something that's going to spin the tires or gain a full gear or no, it's not like that. It's a cleaning, it cleans, and that's what it does. Yes, if you're really sensitive to your engine, you'll hear it be 
quieter. You'll feel a little bit more response. I'm not going to say after you have one of your performance tunes, you're going to feel more response because you got so much response to begin with. Right? Sure. So on a bone stock engine, you may feel a little response. You may feel the engine get quieter. But on an over-the-road truck, we can take a filthy engine and in 90 days, now keep in mind they're averaging 500 miles a day. In 90 days, the engine's clean inside. Now, there a pickup you go. truck doesn't run that much. So. Yeah, a little bit longer. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bruce. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. This has been Paul Wilson with Diesel Performance Podcast. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> Better have a hell of a smile. <laughs>